Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense, dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where two friends get together and talk about the story behind the matches. I'm Matt. And I'm Michael. Welcome to episode 45, Capital Combat. The return of RoboCop. And spoiler alert, Tony Schiavone and Junkyard Dog. Am I missing anyone? Those are returns. Sid Vicious. Sid Vicious. First time in a while. Yeah. Barry Windham. Barry Windham, yeah. Uh, Sid, did Sid Vicious leave? Bam Bam Bigelow? Yeah. It's the return of the return Robocop of... and Pals. <laughs> There's a lot of people that are yeah. back for this show. And I must say that my heart warmed for the appearance of JYD. But if you've ever listened to the show before, you already knew that. Tony was nice to see Tony again. He's like, eh. Yeah, it's Tony. Yeah. It's good. He's back, back where he belongs. Yeah, I feel like he fits better here. Yeah. Capital Combat was produced by the WCW under the NWA banner. The event would take place on May 19th, 1990 at the D.C. Armory in Washington, D.C. It's the capital, baby. The attendance was 7,500 people. Far cry from that 67,768. Well, I mean, Coco Beware's not on this show. That's true. (laughs) That was what the missing thing was. It totally was. Dang it. Uh, I feel like, is this the first one where we get full WCW garb everywhere? Like, on the ring apron? and uh, I think it was at Wrestle War as well. Okay. I wasn't sure, but I was like, alright, we got, like, it's it's basically WCW It's basically now. a WCW show at it's, this yeah, point. Yeah, it's like, it's, we're, we're basically there at this point. The belts are the only thing that really say NWA at this point. So, things that happened around the time of Capital Combat. Total Recall. Would be be released two weeks later. Which uh, is the first Robocop movie, which is already out, is a Paul Verhoeven film. Yes. Total Recall is also a Paul Verhoeven film. Exactly. So that's pretty neat. Total Recall. Where does it rank on your Arnold movies? That's a tough one. There's so many good Arnold movies. And that one is... Man... I really love... I'm a Terminator over Terminator 2 guy, which normally makes people upset. It's not because I think that... It's a weird thing to get upset I think about. Terminator 2 is probably the better film, but I'm not going yeah. to get mad at anybody. Yeah, I have that, more... Because they're both good films. I just have more fun with the first movie. I think a lot of it has to do with all the stop-motion flash-forwards, I guess. And yeah. not flash-backwards, technically. And it's a totally different style of movie. It's more of like a horror sci-fi... Like It's kind of like a slasher almost. Yeah. I don't know, man. Total Recall's up there. I don't. Do you have a number one favorite Arnold movie? Are you a True Lies man? I do love True Lies. I mean, it's good. I would say. Are I you mean, a Running Man? I, are you a? If we if we go just kind of, kind of the, this era of Arnold movies, Running Man's probably my favorite. Total Recall. It's because you're a Jesse Ventura guy, right? Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. I mean, who wouldn't be, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Running Man was probably always my favorite of this batch. I've only seen Running Man once, which is kind of messed up. Yeah, it is. I, I liked Total Recall, but like, if I were to go to someone who's maybe seen Total Recall like once, what are they going to remember? The 
three boobed woman. Like, oh, that the eyeball bulge, and also when the head opens up. Like, tell me what actually happened in that movie. Like, no one can actually tell you what happened in that movie. I mean, yeah, it's based off of like a Philip K. Dick thing, and it's about messing with your memory, basically brain vacation. It's uh, it's great, <laughs> but it's not you know, it's not it's not RoboCop good. It's not an A plus B equals C kind of uh, story. It's no. A, it's kind of a weird movie for Arnold to be in, honestly. It, it really is. It really is. And then the other thing that would happen is Jim Henson would pass away a few days earlier. Oh, I didn't realize that he died that early. I knew he died in the 90s, but I didn't realize it was like 1990. I know. That's what I thought, too, whenever I saw this. But I was just like, the Muppets made up so much of my like childhood that I was like, gotta give the, gotta give oh, the guys totally. some props here. Have you ever seen the, uh, like, like his, um, I don't know if it's the funeral, but they had a thing for him when he died that was, like, really long. And his have you ever, funeral, like, I was reading about the funeral. I think so. I think there's this. videos of it on, like, YouTube, and I'm you can sure watch it, and it's pretty incredible. It's, like, it's gonna, it's gonna make, uh, make your cheeks wet. Like, just reading about it, I was like, yeah. oh my goodness. Like, there's, like, footage of it, and it's. Pretty, it's like pretty, Big Bird comes out and like sings a song. And it's yeah, dude. Like, I'm getting, uh, I'm getting, I'm well enough thinking about it. But it's yeah. If you ever need a good, a good cry, uh, that's a good place to go. Favorite Muppet movie? Uh, the one I've seen the most is the Christmas Carol. Yeah. But I, it's not Muppet in Space. I can tell you that. It is not. <laughs> I didn't like. I watched. Probably more Sesame Street and Muppet Babies than I did the actual Muppet Show. I've seen the movies, but I guess I would do did Christmas Carol. Did most. you ever watch the new Muppet movie? The well, they did two, with, right? With, with Jay, well, I'm going to talk about the one with Jason Segel. Okay, yeah, I did watch that. Uh, I remember really liking it, but I thought that there was some opportunities where they didn't write original songs and they just used already existing songs. I mean, but they, over, they, overall, they brought, they brought back the the best couple songs that have yeah. been in other overall it was movies. uh it was really good i thought it was a solid film yeah yeah it's i don't think it's the it's, se- it's the not the worst that one is not good okay but. but yeah i remember uh really liking it like it was like oh like that was it wasn't great but it was extremely enjoyable all the way through it wasn't like oh you gotta watch this have you seen this meme that's going around like keep one actor replace everyone else with muppets no uh i, I like i was like uh the muppet movie with Kermit the Frog. That's the one real actor. Everyone else is Muppet. <laughs> oh, so I still have the Muppet movie. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, I guess it would be the, the the Christmas one. Because I've seen it the most. I think I had it. And Absolutely. it was on TV a lot. But the Rainbow Connection, that's the song, that's right? Not, that song always gets me. Yeah, it's like, oh, like, the that and like, I guess the first movie I always just think of the first part where Kermit's still like in the swamp. Yeah. And I don't remember everything else that happens. I just remember the, him in the swamp playing the banjo. And uh, it's nice. It is nice. Let's go ahead and get to the show. We uh, get it's in, a top secret show, by the way. animated opening with a folder saying top secret. Has newspaper clippings, some video highlights, yeah, maps. Like the, the, they kind of like come out of the folder, the folder at yeah. the screen. But like it'll be like basically like clips of like packages and like headlines from angles and stuff and then we get a picture of the united states capitol building and a stamp oh yeah an animated stamp uh with the logo for capitol combat 
on it. It's got like the uh, what do you call those lights that are like at big events that just like keep moving? That are strobe huge. Lights. Not a strobe light, like a let's like it like a fair or whatever, and they just have the lights so you can like see it from your car from a distance. Oh, okay. Yeah, what do you call those? You know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. But yeah, they have, they've got those going on there. And Tony Schiavone Uh welcomes us to the show, Sans Mustache. Welcome back, Tony. You look better without the mustache. And goes over the card of the night. And then we get a colonial band playing the national anthem. Or at least they're a band that was dressed up in colonial garb. Yeah, yeah. And they've got like like a full color guard with them or whatever. Yep. And we go down to ringside. Jim Ross and Bob Cottle continue to preview the matches. We're going to get some uh, RoboCop and some Sting. And three titles are going to be defended. That's right. Hopefully they're all good. Because our first match, we got Kevin Sullivan, Cactus Jack, and Bam Bam Bigelow mm-hmm. with Sir Oliver Humperdinck versus the Road Warriors of Hawk and Animal and Norman the Lunatic with Paul Ellering. I don't even remember Oliver or Paul being anywhere near. Like, did they just walk down and walk back up? Pretty much. <laughs> it's like there's it's like they didn't there's nothing. six guys here. Like, you don't really we need don't a manager. Need two more. Yeah. But the last time we saw Bam Bam was at WrestleMania four, which is over two years ago in real time, huh. and episode eighteen. For all of you that where want to go, go check off, that did out. he go off to Japan or something? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So the Road Warriors come out on the back of motorcycles. Mm-hmm. Riding a uh, bitch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then Norman comes out on a scooter. He does come out on a scooter. It was pretty cute. Yeah, he's got his, uh, and then he's got a, a just a crummy plastic bag. With, with some teddy bears in it that he throws out to the crowd. Yeah, and maybe a t-shirt. I wonder if there's, a, if there's a Norman the Lunatic t-shirt. I mean, he was wearing one in the match. Oh, it's, they actually said Norman the Lunatic yeah. on it? That's great. I did not catch that. So the match gets going. Cactus Jack's running the ropes. Animal with multiple leapfrogs before hitting a power slam. Irish whips Jack to the corner, followed with a big boot. Hawk with a clothesline to Cactus Jack, but right into his corner, so he's able to make the tag to Bam Bam. Bigelow backs Hawk up to the corner and goes for a big right hand, but the Road Warrior moves to escape. Bam Bam with a headbutt, but Hawk is able to hit a dropkick, descending to his own corner, to allow Sullivan to tag in. Hawk is pushed into the opponent's corner, is receiving shots from everybody, but he starts returning them before clotheslining Sullivan. Norman Irish whips Cactus Jack, charging in to hit an avalanche splash in the corner, a leg drop, and a headbutt. Animal goes for a shoulder tackle on Bam Bam, which is no-sold, and Bigelow is running the ropes, so Animal drops to the mat, and Bam Bam tries for the falling headbutt, but Animal moves. Animal then hits a clothesline to send Bigelow to the floor over the top rope. Once back in the ring, Hawk is hit by a headbutt from Bam Bam to stagger him on the ropes. Cactus Jack gets Bigelow to Irish whip him, but Hawk moves, sending Jack to the floor. Hawk follows out with a flying clothesline off the apron, a chop. Irish whips Cactus Jack into the guardrail, which he tumbles over, and Hawk throws the wooden steps onto Jack. And whose idea do you think that was? Um, McFoley's? Mama Foley's baby, yeah. little baby boy. Yeah, boy. it's like, yeah. I was like, oh, this is, this is definitely uh, a McFoley match. Yeah. Hawk then goes into the ring, tags in Norman, which allows Cactus Jack to go to his corner to make a tag to Sullivan as well. This is one of those things that, like, I saw during the show that kind of bothered me. That like, they'd be doing all of this like attacking and everything, and then they would just like. 
Oh, you're supposed to tag. Okay, I'll just go do something over here so you can go tag. Yeah. Like, it happened a couple times during the show, and it was just kind of like... You guys should have worked this out a little better. Worked this out a little bit better. Kevin's then tossed into the corner by the lunatic, who then charges in, but Sullivan gets a boot up and then jumps on Norman's gut. Gut jump. Bigelow comes in with a headbutt, flying shoulder tackle, vertical suplex for a near fall. Sullivan with a body slam, Cactus Jack in with a clothesline, a top rope double axe handle, a neck breaker on the ropes, all on the lunatic. Finally, the Road Warriors have had enough, and they come in with a clothesline to Kevin's back, but they're not able to continue as the ref makes them get out of the ring. Bam Bam then hits a back body drop and a falling headbutt, and JR says there are a thousand of fans still waiting to get in. Oh yeah, so he's like letting everybody know that they screwed up on like coordinating the event putting the correct time on the tickets oh really they did it again i mean you can see throughout this match and maybe even the next one that like there's just people walking behind Behind, like constantly and you normally don't see that kind of movement uh during most wrestling shows norman is stuck in the opponent's corner being worked over by all three he finally reverses an irish whip and clotheslines jack Cactus begins to spin in a circle in the ring like he doesn't know what he's supposed to do, allowing the lunatic to make the tag. <laughs> Animal comes in with a drop kick and loads on the other two before coming back with a flying shoulder tackle on Cactus Jack. He goes for the pin, but Bigelow makes a save. All six men are brawling. Norman and Bam Bam go to the outside. Sullivan throws Hawk through the ropes to the apron, allowing him to join Cactus Jack in working on Animal. But Hawk climbs to the top rope, Hits a flying clothesline on Sullivan for the pin and, and the win. win. Yes. Uh, Even though Animal and Jack were the legal men. But Hawk and Sullivan works for us, right? Yeah. The Road Warriors are at the beginning of this show. Kind of crazy. And foreshadowing? <laughs> Question mark? For their demise? For their... Potential for, for, for their for their leaving. I'm pretty for sure they're, they're hopping on those motorcycles and going straight to Connecticut. Is what I'm they're saying. Headed, they're headed north. <laughs> yeah, uh, very soon. I would say so. Yes. We then get our second match. It's Johnny Ace versus Mean Mark with Teddy Long. And I thought it was weird that it was Johnny Ace and not his his tag partner who doesn't show up. Who's no longer in the NWA. Yeah. What happened He's there? He's up north as already. Oh, really? Well, it would have been nice to see Mean Mark. Well, we did see Mean Mark. And, oh, no, versus... uh, Shane Douglas. Shane Douglas, yeah. Uh, Maybe one of these days we'll see. Probably not as Mean Mark, but... Mm -hmm. Uh, JR starts... lets us know that Mark is undefeated. Puts over the... the, I thought he was saying hard punch, but it's heart punch. Heart. Yes, I was like, hard punch? That's a dumb name or something. Heart punch I get. And lets us know that, you know, his... He likes hard rock, and his favorite uh, musician is Ozzy Osbourne. It's like, all right, JR, you sound super weird and out of touch. Get back to talking about football, which you do most of this show. (laughs) At least he didn't tell us that they graduated from college with a 3.4 He probably did. I just probably got so annoyed. He is so obsessed with college. You'd think that he never went and only, like, it's just, like, it's, like, unattainable for him to go to college, so he's just really into it. His love of football, I find... Uh, Pretty annoying because he spams it every chance he gets. He does. And I love you, JR, but sometimes I don't love you as much. Exactly. 
So the match starts. Ace is running the ropes, going for shoulder tackles to no avail. He tries for a hip toss, but is blocked and turned into a clothesline. Me Mark goes for a jumping elbow drop. Johnny moves and hits a drop kick to send Mark to the floor. Ace hits a Pescado on the mark to continue the fight on the outside. Back in the ring, Johnny's tossed to the corner when Me Mark charges in, but Ace moves and goes to Irish whip Mark to the other corner, but it's reversed, and Me Mark follows in, but Johnny gets his knee up this time. Johnny jumps on the top rope, comes off with a flying crossbody, and then hits an arm drag into an arm lock. Mark begins to back his way into the corner, causing the ref to make Ace break the hold. While he's getting in between them, me Mark hits a cheap shot, and then some kicks to knock Johnny to the floor. Ace is recovering on the floor, and Teddy Long comes over with some kicks of his own, before Mark rolls out and slams Johnny's head onto the wooden steps multiple times. Ace is up on the apron, but Mark with a big right hand to knock him back down. Finally back in the ring, we get a stalling vertical suplex Ugh. for a near fall. I love the stalling. There's something about the stall. The stalling suplex. Mark then hits a savat kick and more Teddy Long shenanigans as Johnny is draped across the ropes. Ace then rolls to the floor and begins to stalk Long around ringside. But Mark comes from behind with an axe handle. Back in the ring, a flying clothesline by Mark for a two count, followed by a reverse chin lock, and Ace escapes with some elbows. He starts running the ropes and ducks a clothesline, but Mean Mark hits a big boot on the return. Mark with a body slam, a jumping leg drop, starts to pick Ace up, but Johnny rolls him up with an inside cradle, only for a two count. Ace tosses Mean Mark to the ropes, goes for a drop kick, but Mark moves out of the way for Johnny to just crash to the mat. Another Irish whip by Ace charges in, and again Mark moves for Johnny to land shoulder first on the turnbuckle. Mean Mark starts working on the shoulder, tosses Ace to the ropes, and ducks his head, allowing Johnny to kick him, which he then delivers a drop kick and a monkey flip, a clothesline, and goes to the top rope again, but Mark ducks the crossbody. Mean Mark then hits the heart punch, bum, bum, bum. goes to the top turnbuckle, walks off to the top rope before delivering an elbow drop for the pin and the win. I did like that he did a little bit of a, a taker choke on the mat at yeah. one point. I was like, ah. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you guys didn't know, Mean Mark is the Undertaker. Or will yes, be the Undertaker. He will be the Undertaker <laughs> yeah. very soon. Well, I don't know and if he said that, but that's the deal. I think I said it last time he showed yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. But that, that hard punch, obviously I can't hear. It was a hard punch. It was a hard, a, hard, heart. Yeah, a hard punch to the heart. And because everyone cares, the Slamometer <sighs> gave it an 8.2. You know what's messed up? They put over the Slamometer thing, but I think this is the only time it shows it's up on the, the show. the only time it shows up on this show. So weird. So this would be Johnny Ace's last time on TV, or at least American TV, because he heads off to Japan for pretty much the rest of his career. Well, no, I mean, he... But he shows up in WWF in 22 years. Well, he doesn't have, like, a big backstage presence. Yes, yeah. that's... But his next TV match in on in America is in twenty two years. Jesus, I know that. Uh, I think he's married to somebody. He's married to who's, the Bella it, Twins' the, mom. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was like, I'm pretty sure he's on like Total Divas or something, and he has the world's most terrible voice. I can't think of his name, but you ever watch Curb Your Enthusiasm? Yeah. 
Yes, he reminds yes. me of. He sounds uh, exactly like Dave Ramsey. Of Dave uh, Ramsey, not Dave Ramsey. Uh, Super but he Dave. Plays Super Dave. Yeah, like I don't know what his name. I can't remember what his name is on the show right now, which makes me feel bad. That guy actually just passed away. Rest in peace. But he has a terrible voice, and Johnny Ace sounds like that Very as well. So. And it's yeah, it's pretty pretty funny. We're then in a bag. Gordon Solis outside of Sting's locker room, and he lets us know that Sting's main reason for being there is the protection of all the little, little stingers. Are you a little stinger, Matt? Sure. I'm like, what's with everyone being a little, little stinger, hulkamaniac, warrior, warrior, like little hulkster? So what if we're big? What yeah. what are we then? Are you are you a little a little Jackster, Cactus Jackman? <laughs> not yet. Not, not yet. Not yet. In 1990, you're not a little Jackster yet. No, I wasn't old enough. <laughs> I mean, Cactus a, Jack's pretty to be hardcore. A, to be a Jackster. So to be a Jackster. Oh, I got it. I just we, wasn't sure whether to put you over or not. We then get Tony Schiavone with the Rock and Roll Express. And they tell us that they're in a corporal punishment match where everybody will have leather straps. Yeah. Because that's what Rock and Roll needs to do. Because they're not good enough to have a match on their own. I, I don't know. But they tell us that they're going to whip the... Who they fight? I don't know. The the oh, the Freebirds. They're gonna whip the Freebirds. They're gonna whip the Freebirds like their mama should have done a long time ago. And then Morton starts. I bet going, if uh, if P.S. Hayes' mom saw his eye makeup, she'd probably beat him up. But she's an old school lady. <laughs> Morton then starts going on about the Steiners and the World Tag Belts, Ole Anderson, the Four Horsemen, and Lex Luger in the hospital. Thanks, Ricky, for. Tell us about the rest of the show. Yeah, yeah. Lex got that staff in that Neve. Yeah, he does. Which I believe is uh, shoot staff. It is very much shoot staff. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of crazy. Then Gary Capetta recognizes the winners of the Capital Combat Sweepstakes, Mr. and Mrs. Robert Better. Yep. I hope he did. The, uh, God. Yeah, it's funny. He is a, a very giant man, and she is a very tiny lady, and it's like Well, they funny. actually don't show them at this point. Oh, they show them later? Yeah. Okay, I was like, I remember what they looked like, like, they, I was they like oh showed, my god. They, they, he made the announcement, and then it was like, all of a sudden, it was like, third match! Yeah. People are coming down to the ring, and it was like, are we just not going to show these people? No, they show them later. He's like 6'2", and like a big guy, like a, like like a, three, a 3X. She's like 5'4", with like Coke bottle glasses. It's pretty funny. So our third match of the night, we got Captain Mike Rotunda. Oh, uh, poor Mike. Tommy, he has to wear this stupid shit. Tommy Wildfire Rich. Uh, versus, we know, you know we're rich, rich maniacs. We're little richters. <laughs> we're going to start the fire. I want to start the fire <laughs> under his career. Oh, man. Versus the Samoan SWAT team. They're no longer the new wild Samoans. Yeah. But it's the same, too, of Fatu and Samoan Savage. Yeah. I always Every time it's like Fatu and Samu. Savage, Samoan Savage just doesn't feel right. Sorry. He's still, he's still good. So the Samoans are taking forever to get going because the crowd is yelling at them and not allowing them to finish their traditional ceremony. Yeah, I like that gimmick. And then once the match starts, Fatu keeps complaining about Rich grabbing his hair and he's, he's not grabbing your hair. It's a hair match now. Tommy's running the ropes, hits a crossbody on Fatu. And then Fatu asks for the handshake of Rotunda, but Captain denies him. And, like, what's weird is that the commentary is not even anywhere near the tag match with with their conversation. They're, like, not putting it over at all. It's kind of messed up. This is one of the matches, like, 
before I even started watching the show, I saw that this match was on the show. Uh-huh. And then I saw how long the match was. And that's when I was like... And you like, a tear dribbled out of your eye. <laughs> a tear fell out of my eye. And then I texted Mike the times of the matches and was like, hey, guess which one is the Tommy Rich match? And I was like, no. Because <laughs> no, I knew the answer. Rotunda sent to the ropes, ducks a clothesline, and Fatu ducks his head. The captain face plants him to the mat and followed by multiple drop kicks that send Fatu to the floor. And you can still see lots of people walking through this arena. They're not all in there. Not seven, All 7,500 of them have not showed up. Rotunda's running the ropes, ducks a savage clothesline, hits a drop kick on his way back, and then an elbow drop. Rich is then sent to the ropes and ducks a clothesline, but the Samoan catches him on the way back with a power slam. Fatu comes off the top rope with a falling headbutt, but Tommy has moved. Fatu then delivers multiple headbutts, sends Rotunda to the ropes, but Captain hits an arm drag into an arm lock. Fatu backs Rich into the corner and goes to deliver a forearm, but Tommy moves, hitting Savage. JR and Bob don't know if the Samoans are going to fight like we've seen before, but instead Savage gets in the ring and hugs Fatu. Rotunda's running the ropes, ducks a clothesline, and then gets caught by Fatu for a side slam. We get a vertical suplex before throwing Rotunda to the floor by Fatu. Savage hits a thrust kick to Rotunda while on the floor before Fatu drags him back into the ring, tosses him to the ropes, and tries for a hip toss, but Captain blocks. But Fatu is able to turn it into a clothesline to take him down. Savage with a trap hold on Rotunda, inching his way closer to his corner, makes a tag... But the ref doesn't see it, and Randy Anderson forces Rich back to the outside, allowing the Samoans to double-team Captain with a double headbutt before throwing him to the floor. Fatu comes out to the floor, but Rotunda begins to fire back with chops, but the Savage with a thrust kick to knock the Captain back down. And they're just putting over the next two matches and basically ignoring this. And there's like no energy in this ring. It's, it's weird. Rotunda is brought back to the apron by Fatu, hits a clubbing forearm and a snapmare before Savage is tagged in and goes right to the front face lock to wear the captain down. Rotunda escapes, hits a desperation back elbow off the ropes, is crawling to his corner, but Fatu makes it in time to wrangle the captain back into a reverse chin lock. Again, we get a blind tag that the ref doesn't see, allowing the Samoans to hit a double team back body drop for a two count. Rotunda tosses Savage to the rope, hits a clothesline, crawls to this corner to make the wildfire tag. Oh, gosh. Rich it's, it's, in. A, it's, a, it's a tag, I guess. <laughs> it's just Rich, a regular tag. <laughs> Rich in with right hands, a drop kick to Fatu, back body drop to Savage, mounted punches to Fatu. The captain hits a drop kick on the Savage to send him to the floor. Tommy and Rotunda Irish rip Fatu, and the ref goes to get the captain out of the ring as Rich is locked on a sleeper. All of a sudden, Samoa Savage comes off the top rope with a double axe handle to knock him to the mat, with Fatu landing on top of, of Rich for the pin and the no win. Yeah. Now, I told the story about how I wasn't looking forward to this match. Yeah? Oh, you're about to put this match over? Well, here's the thing. I'm listening. Rotunda, Rich, and the Samoan SWAT team have this very big tendency of locking on wear down moves or rest holds. Yes. And just making a match 
way longer than it ever needs to be. And you're putting them over for doing less of that? They did put they did put them in rest holds, but like literally as soon as they put them in rest hold, people were working. Yeah. And this match moved. It, it, it did. It was a much better match than I expected. ever expected. <laughs> Alright, I'll give you that. Spoiler for later, most surprising. Oh, okay, okay. I'm surprised this that you match put it over like this. But I guess good. you yeah, you previewed and like were down on already you were already down on it. I was at like a negative five. Yeah, and you got and up to like a point five. A, they got me up to like a three. <laughs> oh wow, that's good. So the Steiners are with Tony Schiavone and Scott says, You want a match with us, Doom? That's the crowd in the background. You're not gonna get one. We came to DC to suplex you on your head, to give you a clothesline. Yeah. And when the smoke it's clears, line. it's your move. You will be like everyone else. Beat up. <laughs> Possibly the best Scott promo we've gotten so far. <laughs> I like the symbiote of the people. And once again, Gary Capetta recognizes those uh, winners of the Capital Combat sweepstakes, Mr. and Mrs. Robert Better. Yeah, the big guy and small lady. And this time they show him in the crowd, and still no one cares. No, of course not. They nobody else want anything. <laughs> Capetta then announces a guest ring announcer for our next match, Missy Hyatt. Hell yeah! Who comes down to the ring with world-renowned hairstylist Jay Tapper? Yeah, I thought this was weird. It was like, oh, Missy Hyatt with hair, male hair hairdresser, and my wife being a hairstylist. She- I asked her, I was like, hey, do you have any clue who Jay Tapper is? And she was like, never heard of the guy. I mean, you know, she wasn't a hairdresser in 1990. Uh, She started in like 1996. Yeah, yeah. But like, I mean, maybe he was just like Ric Flair and Missy Hyatt's and maybe woman's hairstylist. Perhaps. Definitely not a... is it Ricky Morton or Robert Gibson that has the... No. Both of them have horrible mullets. Yeah, but who's the one with the... the it's, I'm getting them mixed up. There's too many R's. There are I believe R's. it's Ricky Morton who has the really terrible, like, half... Like, the bleached one. Yes, it's like the, that's almost Ricky. like a bowl cut on top. Oh, my God. Yeah, so he probably should have hung out with... Jay Tapper. Jay Tapper. But I Jay do Ta- like Jay Tapper's outfit. Jay Tapper is there to shave the hair... Of the loser of the next match. Oh, you mean this hair match with two bald men in it? That would be what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, yes. cool. And because our, yeah. our fourth okay. match is Paul Ellering mm-hmm. versus Teddy Long. You mean hair versus hair match. Theodore Sugar Ray. Yes, as he comes <laughs> out in boxing gloves and headgear. Uh-huh. Long then attacks from behind with gloves across the back, wraps Ellering's jacket across his head, and continues the attack. Paul then grabs Teddy by the throat. <laughs> also, Paul Ellering looks incredible. Why was he not a wrestler? He was. He was, he was a weightlifter at one point as yeah, well. Yeah, he looks great. got into wrestling. He looks so good. I'm like, damn. Did he back. just get like hurt or something and couldn't compete? I, or he was just like, didn't have any talent in the ring? But I mean, that doesn't stop other people. No. Backs him into a corner, and the ref breaks it up. Long then throws a punch that catches Ellering across the jaw to knock him down for a near fall. And Teddy does one of those, those wind-up punches I really like. Paul grabs Teddy's arm and starts to take the boxing gloves off. Ellering tosses Long to the ropes, hits a back elbow, body slams Teddy, and grabs the glove and knocks Sugar Ray out. 
Well, yeah, they're putting over that there's something in the club. Which we never see. No, JR is basically telling us that there's something in the club. What is it, JR? That's what his complaint whenever someone says there's something in a sock on AEW nowadays. Oh, really? Like, how do you know there's something in that sock? (laughs) Paul then makes the cover for the pin and the win. Yep, that happened. When we're having more fun talking about Jay Tapper and Jim Ross. Yes. Other than the match. I mean, I liked Teddy. Teddy was really fun here, but it's still whatever. Like, two bald men. Like, he has, like, the skirted eggshell. He's got, like, less hair than Hogan, and it's, like, ratty. So, so oh, you're going to make Teddy Long look well, better? He he grew his hair out, so it was basically puffier. Yeah, but he's had that, like, that weird thing. Because even when he was refing, he still had, like, the long hair. And it's like, dude, just shave that shit off. Yeah. And Paul Ellering is, like, legit bald. So, shoot, pose- shoot bald. Post-match, Jay Tapper comes into the ring, begins to shave what whatever Teddy Longhair yeah. has, and Long wakes up, uses the ref to cover his head on his way back to the locker room. Which is kind of cute and funny and stupid. As a peanut head chant starts. Yeah. Tony Schiavone is then joined by the four horsemen of Ole Anderson, Arn Anderson, Sid Vicious, and Ric Flair. Sid Vicious in a suit, looking real weird in a suit. Compared to everyone else and not being in suits. <laughs> yeah. Ole tells us that the Horsemen have never allowed the title to leave the hands of Ric Flair, and we're not going to let it happen tonight. And Lex is an idiot for in the hospital. Flair says if your leg is hurt going in, you're going to be a one-legged athlete the rest of your life. And then double A. Truer words would never have been spoken. We're all individuals taken individually, working collectively towards the same goal. We're all synchronized gears working together. To keep what belongs to the horsemen. It's pretty good. Also, uh, Art Anderson looks great here in his like yellow button up with his like blue khaki pants his and his cool guy glasses. He's he's looking. Uh, he's got uh, like hot dad energy. Hot dad energy. <laughs> he really does. Jr. and Bob then preview the rest of the matches of the night before we head off. Also, to our... they inform us. I don't know if we've talked about this. That uh, it's going to the title match is a cage match, so there'll be no horsemen. That's what they tell us. That's what that is what they tell us. So we're headed off to our fifth match, the Midnight Express of Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane with Jim Cornette versus Z-Man and Brian Pillman. Flying Brian Pillman for the. NWA United States Tag Team Championship. And the stipulation for this match is that Jim Cornette would be locked in a cage yeah, the little shark outside cage. of the ring. The Midnight's like ring robes are pretty pretty great. I got like this black red gold thing on. And does Jim Cornette always have a hot air balloon on his racket? Like you, you know, know you can never take the thing I, off it. I, I noticed there was like this bejeweled like hot air balloon and I was like, what is that? I have no clue. But, you know, because he, he never actually takes the thing off. I mean, make it go. Nailed it. Wow, I'm, 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 Mic drop. Who's the idiot now? <laughs> yeah, Podcast you, over, yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah. I can't come up with a better joke than that one. <laughs> Killed it. That's why they pay you nothing. <laughs> That's why I get the nothing bucks. <laughs> yeah. So everyone's kind of hanging out in the ring, and Cornette doesn't want to go into his cage. And so the ref starts, Takes him a while to get into the cage. Yeah, it does. The ref starts pushing him out of the ring. But the Express don't wait to get started as they get stereo super kicks on their opponents. Pillman and Z-Man take control by knocking both Expressmen out of the ring. And Cornette rolls into the ring to run away from them. 
but the ref hits a clothesline to knock him down. <laughs> Which, that fucking ruled. It was the best. <laughs> Is that the spot of the night? Spot of the night. <laughs> Is the ref Pee Wee Anderson. Clotheslining Jim Cornette. Flying Brian and Zinc carry Cornette over to the cage and get him locked in. Back in the ring. It's kind of crazy that the two, like, the champs have to put Cornette in there. It's like, where are all the other refs? I mean, it's cool. It's totally awesome because it's a thing to cheer or whatever, but it's like, I shouldn't have to do that. I liked it. I'm I just saying. It. Like, yeah. I'm just saying. It works like, for me. What's, like, psychology-wise. Pillman's around the ropes, floats over a scoop slam attempt by Eaton, pushes beautiful Bobby to the ropes for a cotta roll, but Eaton holds on and begins to run the ropes himself. Flying Brian with a leapfrog, a drop kick on Bobby, a hip toss on Lane, and the champions with stereo body slams on the express. Stereo monkey flips, and Z-Man with the double noggin knocker before slingshotting Pillman into the ring for a double clothesline. It's so good. It's like such a... a that's why tag team matches can and are great, is when you can do a run like this. Exactly. Z-Man's running the ropes, sweet stand with a leapfrog, followed by a thrust kick. Lane then runs the ropes, and Zink hits multiple arm drags. But Beautiful Bobby comes in to hold Z-Man, allowing Stan to go for a drop kick. But Zink moves, hitting Eaton out of the ring, followed by a Z-Man drop kick on Lane as well. Sweet Stan then tosses Blind Brian to the ropes, who comes back with a sunset flip, an arm drag into an arm lock, but Lane escapes with a poke to the eyes, makes the tag, but Eaton gets arm dragged into an arm lock as soon as he comes in. The dreaded eye poke. It's the most dangerous move in the game. <laughs> it kind of is. I mean, it's the only thing that got Zeus yeah. down. Is uh, is Hogan only the champion for that long because of the eye, the face rake? Possibly. <laughs> the face rake and the back rake. Don't forget the back rake. Beautiful Bobby's now running the ropes. He hits a sunset flip, but Pillman rolls out and comes off the ropes, but is monkey flipped. But Flying Brian lands on his feet and then hits a drop kick did, on Eaton. Did you pop for that? I had popped very I was like, oh my god. Like, yeah. Who's who's landed on their feet from monkey flips in 1990? Uh, Flying Brian. Yeah. And Maybe Liger in Japan? Possibly. Maybe, maybe some, Someone def- that we haven't seen. Yeah, definitely somebody in uh, in doing Lucha in Mexico <laughs> is doing that, but uh, they're not on TV here right now. Lang takes Z-Man down with a snapmare. Sweet Stan goes for a jumping elbow drop, but Zink moves and takes down Lane with an arm drag into an arm lock. Z, spammer of arm drags. Z-Man running the ropes floats over Sweet Stan to hit an atomic drop that sends right into Eaton, who had come into the ring. Lane goes after Zink with a thrust kick, a hook kick to take him down, goes for a falling double axe handle, but Z-Man moves and drags him over into the arm lock once again. Eaton tags in and is dragged over into the arm lock as well by Zink, as you said, spamming the arm lock. <laughs> but beautiful Bobby reverses it into an arm lock of his own. Eaton throws Pillman to the apron, goes to slam his head into the turnbuckle, but Flying Brian blocks and slams beautiful Bobby's head into it instead. Pillman jumps up to the top rope, goes for a sunset flip, but he misses Eaton completely. So Bobby has to like back, back up, up. Yeah, into it. Yeah, it's like a, it's a bit of a botch for a near fall. He gets a he gets a pass because of the landing on the feet from the monkey. Exactly, foot. a double team back body drop by the champions, but Z Man is tossed right into a sweet stand knee in the back. 
Lane's holding Zink when Bobby goes for the clothesline, and Z-Man hits a back body drop to send Eaton over the ropes and Sweet Stan to the floor. Z-Man then slingshots Lane into the ring, where Pillman comes flying in with a dropkick. A double-team Irish whip of Lane into the ropes where beautiful Bobby is up on the apron to knock him back down before hitting a double-team hit toss on Sweet Stan. Z-Man with a body slam on Eaton, Flying Brody monkey flips Eaton and charges after him, but Bobby ducks and Pillman goes over the ropes to the floor. We get a swinging netbreaker on the floor by Bobby. Brian back up on the apron when Lane comes off the ropes with the knee to send him flying into the guardrail throat first. Ugh. We get a rubber band guillotine, a clothesline, snapmare, snapping of the neck by Sweet Stan, followed by a jumping elbow drop by Eaton to continue the work on the neck. Beautiful Bobby hits a slingshot backbreaker on Flying Brian. Both expressmen choking Pillman, drop toe hole by Lane, followed by a jumping elbow drop by Eaton for a near fall. Another thrust kick by Sweet Stan throws Flying Brian out to the floor and then into the guardrail. Back in the ring, Lane tosses Pillman, who goes for another sunset flip, but the ref is distracted, so only a two count. Eaton with the body slam, a top rope elbow drop for the pin, and no, Brian gets his shoulders up. Lane goes to pick Pillman up, but Flying Brian with the inside cradle for the two count. Eaton Irish whips Lane to Pillman with a forearm to knock him down. Sweet Stan with a body slam, quick tags by the express, but Flying Brian just won't stay down. Beautiful Bobby goes to the top rope again, but Pillman is up. Eaton with a poke to the eyes. A body slam ascends to the top once again for a leg drop and makes the cover for the pin. Pillman gets the shoulder up again. It's like a 2.8 count. Flying Brian tosses to the rope, is picked up for a side slam, but floats over and hits a gut wrench suplex. Crawls to his corner for the hot tag. Z-Man in with kicks, right hands, a back body drop to Eaton, back elbow to Lane, Sleeper on Sweet Stan, but beautiful Bobby is right there to break that up. Lane hits a Russian leg sweep. The Express go for the rocket launcher for the pin, but no, no. Z-Man gets his shoulder up. I know. Eaton Irish whips Zing to the That's corner. the rocket launcher. Charges in and goes for a Bronco Buster, but Z-Man moves. Beautiful Bobby reverses an Irish whip to send Zing to the opposite corner, who jumps off for the crossbody and goes for the pin but Sweet Stan pulls him off. Pillman jumps in to knock Lane down, but the ref works to get him out of the ring, allowing Stan to hit a drop kick on Z-Man, which Eaton pulls him over into an inside cradle for the pin and, and the win. And do! So, that match was like 17 minutes of just pure action. Yeah, go, 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 go. Go, go, go. Yeah. And, because... At Wrestle War, this was another one of those matches when at first I was just like, oh god, Z Man and Pillman again. Like, because at their last, at I mean, Wrestle War. Pillman really did it, did it up and Z Man did a lot of arm drags. He, yes. did, he did his part, he but did his I mean, part. you know. But my issue with their Wrestle War match that they had was that they did, like, Pillman got beat down for a while. They made the hot tag, and then Z Man got beat down for a while it was like they did the double face and peril spot yeah and that was what the issue and like it's like that's just too and it was just too much 
this time they did it correctly. Only one of them was in peril for the while. Make the hot tag. Yeah. And then we are on to the finish of the match, which I felt like the finish of the match was great. Yes. Because the Express hits the rocket launcher, but Z-Man gets his shoulder up. So you're yeah, like, like oh, so you're like, God, all right, Pillman and Z-Man are probably going to win, win this. Win, yeah. And then, That's how I felt. And then we get I the did not swerve. Expect. Yeah. Good swerve. Good swerve. There was one thing that I, like, does, like, the... Brian Pillman does the, like, that spitting, like, backbreaker thing. Yeah. On Beautiful Bobby, and uh, it made me think of Liger. That's all. That's a good comparison. Yeah, I was like, oh, like, that's like, you know, why can't I think of the, like, the... What is... It's not the Liger bomb. What is it? I mean, it was basically a gut wrench suplex... But it was a little bit different because yeah, it, he floated, it floated over as yeah. a side slam. So, but like I can't remember the name of the Liger thing right now because I'm an idiot. But you know what I'm talking about. I do know what you're yeah. talking. About. And, but it made me think of that when I saw it. And I was like, oh, like cool. We didn't get an ad for Great American Bash, New Revolution, and it's like written on like a Constitution, like U.S. Constitution looking like rolled up paper with like calligraphy. It's kind of funny. Which you're we'll right. cover. We'll cover that next yeah, week. Yeah, you ready for for what? Gab, Gab 8891. Gab 90. Gab 90. This time it'll actually be a pay per view. We won't have to watch like old VHS tapes. <laughs> That's right. I mean, we've had a couple Gabs that have. Yeah, that in. haven't been. We then get Gordon Sully outside Sting's locker room, and there's Men in Black outside the door. Yeah, there's like sm- lots of like, like smoke, like smoke fog, like coming fog, out. fog machine stuff. And then all of a sudden we see Robocops start walking out, but yes. then. The guards like block the camera. The camera falls and, and it's like all it, static. And then it goes to black and fuzzy screen and like. And the camera's on its side and you can see Robocop's little feet walk by. Pretty funny, obviously, pre recorded. And then we're back out at the ring and Gary Capetta announces Sting and Robocop. And the, yeah, the nation's number one law enforcer. Sting's walking down the entryway. Some spinning fireworks. When all of a sudden the horsemen come from behind and throw him into the cage. That Cornette was just in mm-hmm. and locked the door. It's a two for one, baby. But then all of a sudden, Robocop starts coming down the entryway. Yes. He rips the cage door off the hinges. Yeah, and it's funny because, like, the, the, like, they're obviously like gimmicked rubber. Yeah. And it's really great. And that scares the horsemen off. Yeah, they just run away. Because Robocop. If you've seen Robocop, he's got, like, that desert eagle. You know, he can just shoot you. That seems like it was been dangerous in a crowd full of I mean Robo, but you, people. you've seen Robocop like he uh it's very accurate there's a scene in the first one where the guy has the girl and she, he shoots through her skirt to shoot the other guy in the junk without hitting her he's very accurate he's a robot Ro- how, he's a Robocop know, I don't know how that physically is possible but well, he was lower than her I guess maybe she was tall it works the movie's great okay I'm gonna I'm gonna spend the next 30 seconds putting over Robocop it's really good. That spot was good or the movie? Robot. Oh, no, this was stupid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is really stupid. The, uh, the one really funny thing is when Robocop walks back, uh, you can see that like the plastic on his, like his one of his thigh, part of his robot upper thigh is like kind of falling off and it's like, you, it's kind of in the camera, but you can see as like, because he walks really close to the camera and you can see him like look down and like move his arm to like fix his leg. I would pay money to find out who was actually in that suit. 
Uh, I, th- I think it was just a like Hollywood stunt guy, probably. It definitely wasn't Peter Weller. They even had the, the they also Weller. had like the, the like chin cover thing. Yeah, like to probably kind of let you know it wasn't Peter Weller. But I don't think Peter Weller was a household name ever. We're just nerds. That's true. <laughs> so then Tony Schiavone is with Michael's favorite wrestler, Junkyard Dog. Uh, it's the JYD. He's back. And JYD says he's looking for the four horsemen, mean bark, anybody who wants to step into the dog yard, because playtime is over. He's been in Puerto Rico, he's been in Japan, but he's back. Every dog needs a bone to chew on, and Mm -hmm. I found myself a bone. And then all of a sudden, Cornette comes out and interrupts him, saying they should be talking about his new champions. JYD. And where have you been, JYD? JYD, been at 845 to Bar Street. That's my, mo- that's my mother's house. Yep. That's right. I'm your daddy. That's <laughs> so funny. And Jim Cornette sold it so well. I did love that, like, people still love the dog at this point in time. He's getting, There's dog JYD chants from the crowd. From does, all 7,500. love the dog? You're not the biggest dogman. Cornette then tries the old look over there. While I hit you with my rocket trick. <laughs> yeah, oh, what's that? But JYD blocks it, and Cornette goes running off. And he keeps the racket. And then we're headed to our sixth match of the night. The Rock and Roll Express of Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson versus the fabulous Freebirds of Jimmy Garvin and Michael P.S. Hayes in a corporal punishment match. Leather strap, baby. So Rock and Roll comes down on a platform with a jukebox on it. And it kind of messes up, so they just get off of it halfway and walk to the ring. And we're told that the leather straps are hung on each ring post, and they can be used in any way the competitors want. And JR and... They're just like, I don't... They thought that it would be like an actual leather strap match. This is just like... They didn't even tell the commentary team. They, they were like, wait, what? Uh, I guess they're... So they're just hanging out on the... Ring posts so they can use them whenever they want. It's like, why don't they just grab them and beat the shit out of each other? That's a good question. Well, we'll find I out guess wh- the match is going to start, so we'll, we'll just get through this. We'll find out what happens. <laughs> yeah. Hayes does some strutting and moonwalking to get us started. Yeah, I like Some that. taunting of the fans. Good stuff. Even with a pair of older gentlemen in the crowd throwing it back hardcore. Oh, yes. I was looking at the Freebirds tights, and I was like, they kind of look like if Carnage was their pants. From like, like Marvel, Marvel comics, yeah, yeah, like the red and black, the red and the black. Another nerd reference. If you don't totally. get it, it's fine. I mean, you know, everybody, everybody probably played the Carnage Super Nintendo game, right? Maximum Carnage video game was awesome. <laughs> Match starts and Morton Irish whips Garvin into the corner, followed by a Gibson clothesline from the apron. The Express go for it a second time, but Jimmy ducks the clothesline, but turns his back to tell Robert how smart he is. Only for Ricky to hit a clothesline and a drop kick. Garvin then hits a back body drop. Hayes tosses in the strap and then tosses Morton to the ropes, misses a clothesline with a strap, and Ricky comes back with a forearm to knock Jimmy down and takes the strap. Gibson then jumps in the ring with the other strap, and Rock and Roll are whipping the Freebirds to send them running. Clear that ring. The Express then hang the straps back up on the ring post as the Freebirds roll back in. Gibson running the ropes, hits a sunset flip on Garvin for a two count. Jimmy goes for an atomic drop, but Morton reverses it into a hip toss and a side headlock. 
The Express do the fake tag, and the yell is like, y'all didn't tag. And Morton asked the crowd if they tagged to cheers. <laughs> y'all didn't tag. Sorry, that's funny. And Hayes throws a tantrum in his corner over it. Garvin with the Irish whip charges in, but Ricky moves. A single leg takedown, and P.S. comes into the ring, and we get stereo figure fours on the Freebirds. I know. I was, that was kind of a lot. I was like, oh, we're going to get some figure fours, uh, even though Flair's going later. We're getting like double figure fours in the middle of the ring. The haze with the eye rake, the unstoppable move, to Morton to break the hole. I love that like, he haze eye rakes the guy that's not got him in the figure four. It was a very nice touch. Because he's the legal man. Uh, because Gibson, who has him in the figure four, has to get out at the count of five. I didn't even catch the legal man part. I was just like, but I was just like, oh, that's just a great touch. Instead of going that way, going across, it looks really good and it's nice. So I like it even more now. I it's wasn't even thinking about it. Because, you know, the leather straps kind of took me out of this. <laughs> Connell doesn't understand why the Freebirds haven't been using the straps, and we all, all agree with are him. wondering the same thing. I do like that JR uh, says something about his daddy taking him to the shed a few times. It's like, hey, man, you don't, you don't have to air that out here. <laughs> Back elbow by P.S. on Gibson. He grabs the straps and begins to whip Robert. But the rock and roller fights back, grabs his whip, and we have the old classic strap versus strap standoff. Hayes swings and misses, and Robert starts going to town on his back. And then Garvin, before the Freebirds escape the ring once again. Back in the ring, Jimmy hits a rubber band slam, an elbow drop, a scoop slam, a knee drop, multiple lateral presses, all for two counts on Gibson, before throwing him out to the floor, where P.S. continues the attack before rolling him back in. Garvin tosses Robert to the ropes, but ducks his head, allowing Gibson to kick him and tag out. Jimmy goes for a scoop slam, but Morton floats over and rolls Garvin over for an Akata roll. But when kicked out, Ricky goes right into a left hand from Hayes on the apron. Jimmy goes for the cover, but the ref is admonishing P.S. for the punch in the corner and finally gets there, but only a two count. The Freebirds are working over Morton. Hayes off the top rope with a sledgehammer, goes for an Irish whip, but Ricky reverses to send P.S. to the corner, hitting some mounted punches, followed by another Irish whip, which he charges in to receive another left hand from Hayes. We get multiple jumping elbow drops, a jumping club to the head, and back to the headlock by P.S. to continue to wear down Morton, who tries to escape by tossing Hayes to the ropes. But Michael comes back with a bulldog for a near fall. Bulldog's good. We like the bulldog. Garvin continues to wear down Morton, tosses him to the floor, where Hayes grabs the strap and whips Ricky over the back and choking him. Back in the ring, a scoop slam, a knee drop, body slam. Jimmy goes up to the top rope, but Ricky is up to send Garvin flying with a press slam, but is too tired to make it to his corner. Hayes goes to ram Morton's head into the turnbuckle, but is blocked in reverse for several head slams of P.S. into the turnbuckle, but an elbow knocks Ricky back. Michael goes for another bulldog, but Morton throws him off, rolls to the corner to make the hot Hot tag. tag. Gibson in with right hands, back body drop, nails Garvin, slaps the sleeper on Hayes, but Jimmy comes in to break it up. We have all four men brawling until Garvin tosses Morton to the floor. P.S. hits a clothesline on Robert. Hayes hits the DDT on Gibson. But instead of covering, he does some strutting. Gotta strut, man. 
On the outside, Ricky throws Jimmy into the guardrail to be posted. Oh. While Michael is going for another DDT in the ring. I wasn't there for you. I'm sorry. Morton then climbs to the top rope, comes off with the sunset flip for the pin and the win. So post-match, Ricky grabs the strap and begins to hit Garvin, who had climbed back into the ring before they all escape. This this feels like some earlier NWA stuff where there's like a really bad gimmick and you're just like, fuck. It's really stupid, but this match I mean, is well worked. It's just like, what is the deal it, with the gimmick? I think they were probably given this gimmick and then they were just like, fuck that. We don't want to. And so they just had a straight wrestling yeah, match. Yeah, that makes sense. And, They're like, yo, I don't want to give, I don't want to do that. And it was a really good wrestling match. Yeah, it was a little. It felt it felt like it could have went a little shorter, but that's kind of NWA style. So, like, you know, I can't be too mad about that. JR then sends us to Tony with the world's strongest man. And I was like, Dino Bravo's in the NWA now? <laughs> oh, maybe this is a, a rib on Dino Bravo. But just kidding, it's Doug Furness. That's a pretty cool-ass name. But yeah, I don't know who the hell Doug Furness is. So Doug Furness, I guess he squatted 986 pounds in a competition... In 1986. And now and he does ads a, for Preparation H. And that is a world record. So Probably not currently. He's one. I think he actually is still, at least at this time, he was still Yeah, at this record. time, yeah, for sure. Furnace makes sure we know that Luger has been in the hospital for two weeks, but still thinks he will win. And then Sting joins Tony and basically tells us that he thinks Luger's going to win as well. It was not a good promo. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it's like, nah, it was, he's gonna see him do it, period. Yeah, but this thing is like, yo, you're either out of practice, or y'all been just doing way too many drugs. I mean, I don't know if we've actually ever seen, like, a really good Sting promo at this no, point. No, but this is a really bad one. It is so a there's that. bad one. And so that we're off to our seventh match. We get Doom of Ron Simmons and Butch Reed with Teddy Long. And they are sans masks. They no longer, they lost the masks at a previous. I don't even remember. Oh, yeah, they just, yeah, they had the masks. I like them better without the masks. I do too. For sure. And they're versus the Steiner brothers of Rick and Scott for the NWA World Tag Team Championships. The Doom looks, Doom looks so badass. I mean, the Steiners look badass too, but Doom, without the masks, they look so much more badass. They do. I agree. So everybody's just hanging out in the ring when Rick sneaks up behind Teddy Long and rips his bandana off to show his bald head and the peanut head chants start once again. Yeah, Teddy, he's got that, he's got like a zebra do-rag on. And Doom ends up rolling out to the out to the floor and one of the cameramen gets in Butch Reed's face and so he basically cuts a mini promo and says he's going to beat up somebody. If it's not the Steiners, it's going to be someone in this crowd. Yeah, the crowd's Going pretty wild, but I like that he goes down there and talks shit with him. No one else is going to notice this. One of those things that just happened to catch my eye. But the cameraman's assistant, the uh-huh. guy that's always like behind him carrying yeah. in the... He had a cat. I have a cat. note for that. Yeah, he had the cat's hat on, and I was like, oh, like the Broadway play. I was like, that's so funny. Because I've really been wanting to go see cats. Why? I don't know. Sounds fun. Jellicle. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know anything about that. I'm learning about cats for the first time in my life, and uh, I don't think it's too late. So everybody's back in the ring. We we get the match started, and all of a sudden, Jr. starts talking about OU football because Ron Simmons was a yeah 
We know. Was a nose guard for Florida State. You know what's really crazy about professional wrestling and football? Um, JR is going to talk about both of them. (laughs) Well, that, but a lot of of guys that did play football stop Mm. playing football and start wrestling. That's true. So it makes sense. It does. You're already fit. You're already you're already big and strong boy. You might as well go get paid for it elsewhere. That's right. So the match get, does get going, and Scott is running the ropes. He ducks a clothesline and hits multiple shoulder tackles and a power slam on Simmons. Yeah, fuck. Steiner reverses an Irish whip by Ron, sending Simmons chest first into the turnbuckle, and then Scott hits a belly to back suplex. We get Scott running the ropes again. Reed leapfrogs, but Steiner turns around to hit a drop kick, which knocks Butch to the ropes and comes back for Scott to hit a back body drop and a Steiner line to both members of Doom. JR does talk about how all the men are educated because college, but uh, he talks about how the Steiners, Scott should've Steiner been, was going to. Should have been school teacher. No, Scott Steiner was, gonna, was going to school to be a school teacher. I was like, Scott Steiner? Like, that's hard to believe. Like, yeah. Probably a math major. God. Man, can you imagine Scott Steiner being your teacher? If I didn't if I didn't leave with a, <laughs> I, if, I I didn't, if I didn't get straight I A's. I literally have the same thought every time that JR mentions this. Yeah, because he like, mentions it every time they have a match. Yeah, it's crazy. By the way, does telling me that he was gonna be a school teacher, does he does that put him over any? No, nobody cares. Nobody gives a shit. No. Not one bit. It's we care less when we find out later that he can't read or talk. Reed then tosses Rick to the ropes, misses a clothesline, and the gremlin comes back with a Steiner line, but Butch blocks it that ends up sending Steiner to the floor. Yeah. I didn't quite understand quite what happened there, but sure. Rick runs the ropes, Reed misses a clothesline and tries for a hip toss, but the gremlin blocks and reverses into a short arm Steiner line to knock Butch to the floor. The gremlin follows out to continue the attack, hitting a body slam. Simmons comes over to help his doom mate up, but the ref is making him get to his corner, which allows Scott to grab Reed and slam him against the guardrail. Back in the ring, Ron tosses Rick to the ropes, ducks his head, allowing Steiner to hit a pile driver. Hell yeah. Followed by a Steiner line to send Hell Simmons yeah. to the floor. Woo, woo. Scott jumps down to the floor and slams Ron's head on the guardrail now. Again, back in the ring, Reed throws a suit bone right that Scott ducks and then Irish whips Butch to the opposite corner before hitting a hip toss and runs Reed's back into the turnbuckle before hitting a shoulder breaker for a near fall. It looks good. Uh, we hadn't heard suit bone in a while, but the JR brings back the suit bone. Rick is delivering multitudes of right hands when Butch grabs him by the trunks to just toss him out of the ring. Yeah, he like grabs... Almost pulls his gear off, gives him a wedgie to it. Simmons continues the attack on the outside before rolling the gremlin back into the ring. Scott is then Irish whipped into the ropes, and Reed follows with a high knee to reverse Doom's fortunes, and then throws Steiner over the ropes to the floor, where Ron slams Scott's head on the wooden steps and guardrail before rolling him back in. And this is where JR informs us that Burt Reynolds' favorite wrestler is Ron Simmons. Because you know where Brett Reynolds went to school? Oh, you? Florida State, Uh-oh. where Ron Simmons did, too. Oh, so they were friends. Yeah. Okay. Butch then hits a clothesline, double team back elbow by Doom. Simmons with chokes, axe handles to the back, an Irish whip and charges in, but Scott gets his boot up. Reed up to the top rope for a double axe handle, which keeps the Steiners from tagging, a swinging neckbreaker, and a snapmare. 
before knocking Scott to the floor, where again Simmons continues the attack with a body slam before rolling him back into the ring. Butch tries for a vertical suplex, but Scott is able to reverse it into one of his own, but Ron charges in with a high knee to send Steiner to the floor. Reed's holding Scott on the outside, allowing Teddy Long to join the fun with a slap and right hands. Simmons then catapults Scott's throat right into the bottom rope, Mm. but Steiner is then able to hit a desperation modified fireman's carry, but Ron is able to make it to his feet to keep Scott from making a tag. A clothesline, a head slam into Reed's boot by Simmons, a rubber band slam, bulldog, body slam, knee drop, pile driver by Butch. Ron hits a shoulder tackle, is running the ropes, but is caught with a suplex by Scott. But once again, Simmons is first to his feet to continue the attack. But this time, Steiner catches him with a back body drop. Scott then tosses Ron to the ropes and hits a Frankensteiner! Crawls to his corner to make the hot tag. Rick in with right hands, flying Steiner line, a power slam, goes for the cover, but Reed is there to break it up. But Scott is there with a Steiner line of his own to send Butch to the floor. Steiner's with a double-team vertical suplex, but again Ron is there to break up the pin attempt. Simmons then tosses Rick to the floor, and Doom hits the Doomsday device on Scott for the pin, and the Rick is there to break it up! My gosh. The Gremlin and Reed are brawling on the inside. Scott takes Simmons and himself to the outside with a tackle through the ropes. Rick with mounted punches in the ring. Ron runs Scott into the ring post on the outside. Rick is attempting a second rope German suplex on Butch, but Simmons rolls in, hitting Steiner in the back with an axe handle. Teddy Long is up on the apron and is distracting the ref, allowing Doom to pull Rick off the corner by the hair Hmm. with Reed landing on top for the pin and And the win. And new! These big strong boys doing big strong boy stuff with lots of intensity was fucking great. Did you pop for this? Yeah, this whole match was great. This is the best match on the card. I'm putting all my cards out now here now. Putting them all out. Putting them all out. Here's the thing. Back in 1990, this was a complete shock to everybody. Because yes. Doom basically, I mean, if you think about it, Doom had, Doom had lost all three of their matches at Starcade. Yeah. They had lost their masks at a Clash of the Champions that we didn't cover. Yeah. They need- didn't even have a match on Russell War. And Steiners are over. Like, and the Steiners the, are super like, over. The ne- this year and like the next year are like, kind of like prime Steiner time, right? Exactly. The thing is, is this like this match is incredible, and uh, I don't care who won because it was so good. Like it doesn't really matter. Jr. then talks about new champions before sending it to Tony, who's with Doom and Teddy Long. So we get two heel title changes in the show art. This is a heel promotion. Promotion, anyway. yeah. Long tells us that I told you, I told the world, I told the NWA, and my prediction is true. So I lost a little hair. But I, I gained, gained the, the world, world, baby. It's so good. And then Ron Simmons starts talking, but all I heard was, Damn! <laughs> yeah, Butch Reed says they're not just a couple of fly-by-night competitors, we're professionals. And it's time for our eighth match, the main event. Is it the eighth or the ninth? Eighth match. Okay, well, I wrote the wrong number. <laughs> Lex Luger versus Ric Flair with woman in a steel cage match. 
for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. I was I wanted to say title. Is it Vince McMahon that calls it a title, or is he called a championship? He calls it a. T- I think they just can't say belt. Oh yeah, it's not a. It's not or a the belt. strap. They can't say belt or strap. But once both competitors are in the ring... Well, Lex comes in pretty quick. He's... I don't know. He comes in pretty quick, but, you know, Flair has to have his... His fireworks and... Exactly. Everything. Uh, and has woman been... Was woman was Flair recently, right? Yeah, he's, she's been with Flair for, like, the, I think the last... Or at least at Wrestle War. Yeah. I don't think it's Starcade, so... She's got a t- hair teased up high. That's right. She was with big Doom at Starcade, and then they lost, and so... Yeah. She left. I was just curious. Wrestling. I don't remember how she ended up with... I guess they lost. She's like, fuck it. Or Flair she's was like, like y'all are yeah. losers. I want <laughs> yeah. winners. Yeah, Ric Flair's. And she she's prone, prone, prone to win. And baby arms. <laughs> All right, Matt. Once both competitors are in the ring, the cage is lowered. And the cage looks pretty much like the Thunderdome cage that we saw. Where it's the Halloween Havoc cage. The Halloween Havoc, because it, it surrounds the entire ring. So there's area around it's kind of like the, the like the blue the big blue steel wwf ring kind of well that attaches usually to the ring oh yeah this but this is completely around like a, almost like a hell in a cell yeah yeah i think but it has the same slanted edges at the top with mm-hmm. the opening yeah. so i th- i literally think they just repurposed the thunderdome cage yeah yeah i can the ref starts checking luger and flair for foreign objects like you know how they always do but she, but he also checks woman's gloves. Yes, where he finds. Yeah, well, it was really funny. She he checks one, and then she keeps like teasing like uh, him uh, about like the I'm other about him. the other. I'll about, go down to the floor. Yeah, but she like won't let him check the right one or whatever, and he eventually does, and he finds the OFO. The OFO. We don't know what it is. It looks like a bar soap or something. And early on, we get some cat and mouse action. Every time Lex gains an advantage, Nature Boy bells to the outside to cool the momentum. Flair finally with an Irish whip. Luger charges out of the corner with a clothesline, and he is already going for pins balls because he wants to end it early. Also, because of that injury. Woman's in the cage. Woman is in the cage. The cage is lowered, woman's in the cage. Correct. All right, just making sure we're clear here. Yes. <laughs> I originally, it's... well, originally you see the ref like actually looks like he like throws her out before yeah. they lower the cage, but then later on she's still there, even though you don't ever see her, and she doesn't. She's like kind of walking around. She doesn't do anything. No, just she's just there to tease the foreign tease object the that ever get, that it's not there. Yeah, yeah. woman, well, tease the boys for sure. Natch is rolled out to the apron, but Lex brings him back into the ring with a vertical suplex. Lex with multiple military presses to send Flair to the mat. And again, Nature Boy rolls to the floor. The dirtiest player in the game gains an advantage with an eye poke, begins chopping away at Luger, but that just fires him up, hitting a hip toss, a clothesline. Natch tries to fire back with chops, but Lex no-sells them. Flair begins to climb the cage while Luger tries to follow, but the Nature Boy kicks his head to knock him down. So Rick starts stalking him on the floor with chops, ramming him into the cage. Back in the ring, Natch starts working the leg and hits a snapmare, the running knee drop, a vertical suplex, but Lex no-sells and clotheslines Flair. Luger with bounded punches, and he gets to all ten, before an Irish whip for a Flair flip, but he stays on the apron, runs to the next turnbuckle, mm-hmm. comes off, but Lex is there with a clothesline. Nature Boy starts climbing the cage again, but the total package pulls him down, slamming Flair's head into the cage. 
Natch and Luger go get halfway up the cage this time, and Flair's trying to ram Lex's head, but the total package re- reverses it to slam Rick's head multiple times. They come back to the floor where Luger rams Nature Boy's head into the ring post once again to bust him open. More mounted punches, Flair escapes with an inverted atomic drop attempt, but Lex blocks and clotheslines Natch for a two count. Though Flair's arm is completely under the ropes, so the ref should have never counted. But yeah, cage match. But I guess the cage isn't isn't mean that there's no rules. It just means you can't get out. Yeah, it means that nobody can get in most of the time. That's the idea. It's that nobody can smaz it up. Also, we haven't seen Flair do a blade in a minute. It's been a bit. And he blade he blades deep. That was a deep blade. Job. Yeah, he makes he makes sure that the uh, he does that bleached a, hair pays off. This is a crimson mask by the time this match is over. Yeah. Rick again climbing the cage, and Bob asks the same question I'm asking. Why is he climbing? Luger... I think... Well, I mean, he does climb up and he'll, like, kick Lex in the face. So it's like, oh, well, he, he can't... I can at least get a shot in on him from up here with his feet. But multiple times, Luger just catches up with him and then yeah, slams that does his happen. head but the, like, the first, into the steel. Totally. But the first time it happens, I got it. Because Lex, you know, falls back down. It does happen more than it should, probably. Back on the floor, Flair with chops attempts to throw the total package into the cage, but is blocked and reversed for Nature Boy's head to hit once again. Back in the ring, Flair chops, running forearm, but it's like hitting a wall called Luger. (sighs) Lex hits a top rope superplex, but starts grabbing his knee. Wonder what Rick's going to do next. Uh, You know, maybe hit him in the knee. Starts attacking the knee, (laughs) multiple running knee drops right onto the leg. Back suplex, locks on the figure four, using the ropes as leverage, but the ref finally catches him, and the hold has to be released. I love how he does the the second rope, and then the moves, like, stops before before the ref turns around, and then when the ref turns back around, he goes to the top rope, (laughs) it's it's just all all that fun fun Ric Flair stuff. All of a sudden, we see Ole, Arn, and Sid walking down to the cage as Luger is hitting multiple clotheslines on Nature Boy for a near fall. Military press by Lex. Sting then runs down to the cage. Without Robocop. Without Robocop. <laughs> and he runs right past Sid and pulls Ole off the cage and begins to brawl with the horseman. Though Sid looked really tentative to get into the fight. Like, he literally just, like, Sting runs past him. I don't him. even Oh, I don't even really here. remember Sid being there except for in the promo early in the show. That's like, the I was like, I don't remember him here. And I'm just like, shouldn't he be played as like a monster? Like, Oh, there's another monster. Uh, we'll, we'll find that out. <laughs> but Sid should be played as a monster. And he like, yeah. literally is it's not nothing. doing anything. Yeah. Does nothing. El Gigante <sighs> then makes his way to the ring. In like spaceman gear. He's seven foot seven. He's gigantic. I mean, you know, El Gigante, like his like his name informs us, and he begins to El Gigante help Sting with the horsemen. Oh, all he does is like walk lumbering. He, he walks them. up to him, and they all oh, look at him, and, and they're like, like, "Well, I'm out of here." Oh, he's big, yeah. And then they all run off. So back in the ring, Luger is choking Flair when the cage raises up for some reason. Oh, Jr. Let us know. Lex with a power slam. Barry Windham then rolls under the cage and is hiding from view from the total package. Yep. Luger gets Flair up in the torture rack when Windham rolls into the ring and attacks Lex. 
The bell rings as Lex Luger wins by disqualification. And as this is going on, we JR informs us that Ole Anderson must have gotten the controls for the cage. Post-match, Arn Anderson comes in to help the attack on the total package, and the cage is lowered back to the ground. The horsemen continue the three-on-one attack. Arn hits a DDT. Sting and El Gigante are back on the outside of the ring, and Sting looks like he's going to start climbing the cage, and then he goes, wait, that's how I hurt my leg. Let's not do that. (laughs) So the cage finally starts to lift. I guess someone got Ole off the controls. Yeah, I don't know who. And the horsemen clear the ring as Sting gets in to help his friend. While Gigante just stands there with all the horsemen around him. Not attacking and him. nothing and is happening. All, yeah, like They're just all looking around like, oh. Mm-hmm. Tony Schiavone's in the entryway. And as Ric Flair gets to where he is, he catches up with him. And Ric this Flair is goes... incredible, by the way. Uh, Ric Flair... Basically says a Crimson lot of... Crimson Mask. Crimson Mask. And he basically says a lot of, I'm the world champion... We're the horsemen. I'm the world champion. We're the horsemen. But he's like on like, you know, he's he's like from above 10, he's at like a 13 in like just like full on like energy and Ric Flair, he's losing it. Sting then all of a sudden just comes strolling down the, the entryway as well to where the interview is taking place and starts hitting Flair. And the horsemen, instead of attacking Sting, they just pull Rick away and they all walk back to the locker room. Yeah, there's a nice... This is definitely not a Funk Muda Sting no, Flair brawl by any means. It is not. It is... I don't even know if you could call it a brawl. Because it's not. There's a nice moment where Rick, when he leaves Tony Schiavone, he wipes blood on him. It's like... It's, <laughs> it's like super shitty. It's great. We then go to JR, who says his goodbyes. Mm-hmm. So Michael Temple... Yeah. Your overall thoughts it, on Capital Combat. It's a sloppy show. It has some good matches on it. This cage match was just too stupid. The amount of potential and then like the completely wasted potential is pretty incredible. And the other thing is, like, I feel like they were like, oh, it's too late to put it on Lex, but Sting is hurt and we're going to put it on Sting. So... That's so, but they could have still had Lex lose in a less confusing, less idiotic way. Agreed. And they Sting still looks fucking bad. They're not Sting. Uh, Lex still looks fucking badass. But everybody else looks like an idiot. Like just like whoever whoever booked it looks like an idiot. Who's Ole Anderson at yeah. this time? Yeah, the man with the man with the controls. <laughs> the man with the controls, <laughs> literally. So when I. Kind of like what I was saying earlier. When I first looked at the card of this show, I literally sighed. Because I was just like, really? This is what the show is? Well, I mean, yeah, but Doom and Steiners. But. who I didn't think about on paper I wouldn't have assumed Doom and Steiners. I was actually entertained by this show. I was too. It was just, it just felt kind of hectic in a weird way. I mean. Production wise. But that is not, that's, you know, that doesn't have anything to do with. That has, the the, the worst parts are the the no. promo stuff in the back. Yeah, the stuff that's the not work, in the ring. The work rate, great. the stuff in the rings between the ropes is great. Yeah, like the worst the worst match. I'm not going to call Teddy Long and Paul Ellery a match. No, the worst match is Mean Mark and 
Johnny Ace. And it's not that bad. And it's not that bad. Uh, and like the, and for the most part, all I'm fine with most of the finishes. The only finish that I'm not not fine happy is the main one. event. Yeah, agree. I completely agree. Because and like, yeah, like, you have okay. a cage in place to keep from having a DQ finish, and you have a manager inside of it to start. Just to start, that should tell you that there's going to be problems, and then there's a completely different problems. She doesn't even do anything. It was except just, for T, the problem that never gets used. Except I mean, they just do a, a lot of things with people that it just like like we were talking. Justice does nothing. El Gigante does nothing. But these are Barry Windham's not even in the promo earlier on when the Four Horsemen come out. Yeah, Barry Windham should have it should be a bigger deal that he's back. Exactly, and it's just like. Like I said, we're, the production is bad, but they're like said, in between things the well, and and your people are not doing things well. Yeah, so it makes it very confusing and not done well. It's, yeah, it's not a well put together show, but the work in the rings is like you said is very. It's good. literally almost it's the opposite of WrestleMania six, where WrestleMania six not a lot of good work rate, but it's a immaculately produced show. It was a great show yeah. because of just how everything was done. Yeah, it's, it's like show, a well-oiled machine. The work rate was really good. And you're driving a jalopy. extra stuff... <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the bottom's rusted it, out of your car. Turned it down a little yeah. bit. Like, I still enjoyed the show for the the wrestling matches. Yeah, because we got wrestling matches. Exactly. It All was, the tag team yeah. matches, like, were good. I enjoyed every single tag team match. Yeah, everything was... A, a, Tag match basically. Where's one? I mean, you had two singles or two, only two, right? Well, well, like Paul once again, we're not counting Paul. Now it's like forty so you seconds. Had two, you had two singles matches, and Mark and Mark and Johnny Ace, and pretty, then the main good. event of Luger and Flair. And the main event, well, and it was go good until yeah the finish. It was just disappointing because Flair, like we said, Flair's was eighty nine ninety. Flair, no, Flair's eighty nine was incredible. Exactly. Every match was incredible. And I this one was su- like, not, it was not incredible. I almost wouldn't be surprised if this match, originally when they came up with what, what they were going to do, was supposed to go longer. But because of Luger's injury, yeah, they had to cut quite a bit of time Still off of it. That, that's, I'm fine with a shorter match. I'm not fine with the way that they shortened it. But I think they had to do something like that to take the attention off of how short the match was basically yeah yeah i guess so i don't know i just feel like they were like oh we don't have the confidence to put this on luger well no because the feud was sting and flair yeah luger got put in that spot because sting got hurt if luger yeah yeah this, if they were this gonna put actually, on luger would have been a couple they would have put it on the first show and, yeah and had flair win it back here the here's the thing is that nwa was having issues they were having fishy issues just Holding down a roster because they yeah. kept having they had people leaving. Well, Turner they came in, injuries. and a lot of people were upset about it, and a lot of people were leaving. Like Doom's gone, uh, or not Doom? I'm sorry, uh, Road Warriors are leaving. Um, there's yeah, there's plenty of issues in in the back behind the scenes because yeah, of the NWA, the scenes, WCW, issues were like, causing issues, you know, merger thing in the storylines and stuff. So they just didn't have the tech. I mean, that's why JYD's back because they just they needed people. Yeah, that's why Doug Furness is in. It will become something. Oh, will he? Because they need people, basically. So Doug Furness is the new Dino Bravo? He is. 
Hopefully they'll give him an earthquake the, so he's if, at if, least somewhat yeah, interested. If a great American bash Doug Furness is lifting weights, I'm going to riot. <laughs> Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So let's hear about those best moments uh, of Capital Combat. Not RoboCop. <laughs> no. I mean, I really liked the moment where he grabbed the gimmick uh, rubber it's so holes. bad. They were so bad, but I, so I mean, bad. I just liked it because it was funny. But uh, Doom, Doom Steiners, Doom Steiners, Doom Steiners, Doom Steiners, um, and then you know the tag matches. First, first glimpses of Cactus Jack. Yeah, that... Pil- Pillman and Z-Man doing it right this time. Gosh, like you, you like the Doom Steiner match the best. I think I like the Pillman Z-Man match best. I won't argue it. I just think the thing with uh, the Doom Steiners one is like all four of those guys are like legit badasses, and everything they do is they move like quick and and like quick with and purpose. furious and with purpose, and it's just like like everybody looks legit badass for the whole t- for the whole duration of the match. How about most disappointing? You know the answer to that. The finish of the main event. Yeah. I'm so used to it's I'm like, so used to flare bangers, and I know he can have a banger with Lex because I've we've seen it. Yeah, I agree. I mean that. I don't. I mean, I know who came up with the finish. It's Ole, but it's just like how he pictured that in his head and how it was executed. Yeah, that's how it happens with feel, all the time. I feel like it. It wasn't done how they how they wanted. He probably that learned from Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes probably thought that all those were gonna be great too, and they were pretty dusty. Yeah. All those early Starcades where we're just like, wait, what happened? And they never explain it to us and blah, blah, blah. Like this here, at least they're explaining to us what's going on, but it it barely makes it better. And please don't ever give me Paul Eller, two bald men in a hair versus hair match. Yeah, that's just, the best thing about that match was uh, Paul Ellering's kind of a hoss. It's just dumb. <laughs> it's really stupid. So who is your best performer of the night? I mean, on any other show would probably be like oh sting and and luger were great but like here it's like i mean pillman is incredible pillman's incredible doom and then yeah doom was doom, doom was really surprising like, like stepped up their game i can't believe they ever put masks on those guys in the first place because they just look so badass i mean you could tell who they were <laughs> yeah yeah i knew which one was ron simmons and which one was butch reed how about anything surprising on this show I don't want to beat a dead horse. You know the answer to that. I've always get kind of surprised whenever Road uh, Warriors being in the first match. Oh yeah, that's a that's a that's definitely up there. Um, I always get surprised whenever Mean Mark. I was surprised Mean Mark was had a singles match. Well, I, I mean his skyscraper buddies had either all had injuries or had left him basically. Yeah, Spivey. Spivey had just left. Spivey had left. Vicious is now with the Horsemen, so uh-huh. you know he's not a skyscraper anymore. Bam Bam, like I said, the return, Bam, the re- Bam Bam the return of JYD, the return JYD of Barry Windham. There's a lot of surprising stuff on this show, I honestly. Mean, obviously, he's still the most good For good and bad. Rotunda Rich and the Samoan SWAT team had a match that I liked. Yeah. Because I, I lit- Rotunda had the match with Rick Steiner in 88, where he won the TV title from him, that mm-hmm. I liked the finish to that match. Yeah. I don't know if I've cared for a Tommy Rich match at all. I mean, he's a running joke on this show. Yeah, wildfire, baby. And Samoan SWAT team, they usually are just so boring 
that even though I know they're good, yeah, they're not. They're not. Um, they do nothing for me. They're not Haku. They're definitely <laughs> not Haku. And then Rock and Roll and Freebirds. I guess that was really disappointing, honestly, because of the gimmick. Well, they could have been a good match. They didn't. Just like I thought, it was a good match. And I'm glad the that they were so stupid. the straps were stupid, but, but it could have been much worse. That's the thing. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, it's one of those things. I guess they probably already already hyped it up, and then they're like, "Oh, we don't want to do that, so we're just gonna modify it." Yeah. But it's a bummer that they you know had to modify it because it just makes it dumb. The fact that they're just not using them constantly makes it make takes away from the good match. But the good stuff there was good. Agreed. But I wouldn't be like, oh, you gotta watch this one. And now for a look back even farther into the history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish. Bruno Sammartino had the longest continuous championship reign in the history of the sport at 2,803 days. So those fans at Madison Square Garden on January 18, 1971 got quite a surprise when the Russian bear, Ivan Koloff, would defeat San Martino with a top rope knee drop to become the WWWF World Heavyweight Champion. Koloff, born August 25, 1942, in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, raised on a dairy farm along with his nine siblings. At the age of eight, he wanted to become a wrestler and would leave high school ten years later to enroll in a wrestling school. Koloff would make his debut in 1961, wrestling around the Toronto area, gaining much experience. Ivan Koloff would debut in the WWWF in 1969, being managed by Captain Lou Albano, and would soon rise to be the biggest heel in the company, feuding with San Martino until he would finally win the belt. After his time in the WWWF, he would find success in the NWA, winning the World Tag Championships four times, along with many regional singles titles. He would also help train and mentor such wrestlers as Nikita Koloff, Crusher Khrushchev, Barbarian, and Warlord. Koloff would be inducted into the Professional Wrestling and Wrestling Observer Newsletter for contributions to the sport of wrestling. Ivan Koloff's win at Madison Square Garden was a surprising one, but needed as a new face challenger was extending the ranks of the WWWF to lead them into a new decade. Next week, as we mentioned earlier, Great American Bash 1990. Straight to the bash? Straight to the bash. All right. Into that. How hard is it to say WWWF? It's kind of <laughs> difficult because yeah, you're you, just, you like, just yeah. want to say WWF. Yeah. And you're like, no, wait, there's an there's extra one. W. Oh. And so it... So you it, have to remind yourself every time. I have to remind myself like every time I say it. <laughs> it's yeah. like I'm reading it, but it doesn't feel right. So the music from this week's show, the theme song for Capital Combat, was actually a Francisco de Massa tune called The Mad Motorcyclist. Okay. And Ric Flair won the main event. So a little... Spot Zarathustra! It's a, it's a it's spotch. It's been spotch for a while. It's been spotch for a while. 
It, it had been previously. It had been we'd all been real Americans for quite a while. Real Americans, Spotch Zarathustra got us through the eighties. Yeah, that's the that is the uh, A side, B side of the seven inch single. Exactly. <laughs> Which one's the A side? Unfortunately, real American. Look at their look at their look at their house draws. Uh, that's true. That's true. If you like this episode or any of our other episodes, please rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast app. You can always email us any comments, concerns, questions, just whatever you want to at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com. Or you can always tweet at us at WrestlingHistoX. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week.